I think servants make great leaders. If we are sitting at home studying our scripture, not moving out to where we can give away what we've got, what good is the work God does in our heart? What good are our doctrines of faith if we aren't exercising those doctrines we've secured from Scripture beyond the church, our safe place to operate? Jesus made himself of no reputation. He was and is the ultimate servant leader. Robert Greenleaf wrote, The servant leader is servant first. Becoming a servant leader begins with the choice to serve and to serve first. Then conscious choice brings us to aspire to lead. The servant leader is sharply different from the one who is the leader first. The difference becomes apparent in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. The best test and the most difficult to administer is this. Do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more independent and self-sufficient, more likely themselves to become servants? It seems so many either want to stand at the top of the leadership pyramid or want nothing to do with leadership. So many want to be the leader, but rarely does anyone want to be the servant. And I don't mean servant in the sense of being a slave, bowing and scraping, bound and miserable in a dark hole somewhere, carrying a load which causes him to faint. But a servant, as in one who makes provision for others, like ministers, ambassadors, and in the military, a lieutenant. I believe more servants should come forward as leaders, and that we should be more inclined to prefer servant leaders. That is probably not a very popular view, especially when so many in the church believe they should be the leader, but have never really given themselves to understanding the concept of being a servant. Since society seems so corrupt, many believe the best thing is to disappear into some secluded place looking to avoid being in the center of things, avoiding leadership altogether. Often, we want to just dispose of any old societies which don't seem to work and plant seeds for new ones. But... It doesn't appear much thought has been given to the problem of where the new seed will come from or who the gardener will be to tend it all. I'm Social Porter, and this is Outposts, a semi-live broadcast from the deck area of a rural cafe at the end of Old Field Road, overlooking the Oklawaha River, where the trees gently lean over the river's edge and every evening is pleasant. Our goal is to inspire a deeper walk with Jesus and to truly know Him, who loves us and died for us so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. So put your feet up, sit back, and tap your toe and dream a little, and I'll be right back.
I believe it's a trying business for the everyday servant to become a leader. Frighteningly vulnerable for the leader to be a servant first, and quite challenging to others that a follower insists on being led by a servant. Did you get that? Let me say it again. I believe it is a trying business for the everyday servant to become a leader, frighteningly vulnerable for the leader to be a servant first, and quite challenging to others that a follower insists on being led by a servant. How does anyone in leadership understand the needs of the people if that person has never personally known the needs of the people? There is a legitimate need for righteous leadership, and I don't mean people who simply exercise power. I believe for many their use of power is to get power, but a true, God-inspired leader uses power to serve the followers, and serves with clear and honest intent. 1 Corinthians 14:7-8. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? There are some in the church who say we don't really need leaders. But just because I've been hurt by poor leadership doesn't negate the need for leadership. Even animals have leaders. And in scripture, the only ones without leadership were locusts, and they were a curse. The few I have met who say we don't need leaders, I have dubbed the NLLs for non-leader leaders. They want people to gather, but yet they themselves avoid the leadership role, although they subtly direct without actually directing. It's not that they aren't qualified because they are. There is just something in them which prevents their devotion to consistently showing up and having something prepared. Something which prevents them from a consistent and repeatable responsibility to build up people who are healthy, wise, freer, more independent of the world, and more dependent on God. You know, the kind who are inspired to go out, motivating and encouraging others to be servant leaders also. I do also ask myself the question, what's worse, no leadership or poor leadership? In Acts 9, a guy named Barnabas had the nerve to endorse Saul, who was renamed Paul, and from that time on, Paul was accepted among the church. In Acts 11, Barnabas, who was servant to the church in Jerusalem, was sent out to, I suppose, validate the happenings in Antioch, which was an 18-day walk from Jerusalem. Barnabas A servant leader found the news to be true of the conversion of many to the gospel of Christ, Acts 11, 23-24. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. 
Barnabas promoted health, wisdom, freedom, independence from the world, and dependence on God. He was a good man, and not in the sense of just doing good things, but a good man because of the character of God which was living and active in his heart. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Qualities servant leaders must possess. As followers and servant leaders, need to respect and be loyal only to authority deserving of our allegiance. Devotion and voluntary true-heartedness are purposely given to followers by leaders in response to the clearly evident servant stature of the leader. Well, did you get that? To whom and what exactly are most of us pledging our allegiance? Consider carefully and honestly, please. That concept is important and precedent-setting in how we, as the Church, gel together and act as a coherent group. And these are the days when we really, really, actually, actually need to get this and know to whom or what we pledge our allegiances. I believe the Church needs individuals who are servant leaders not because they are smart and have many degrees, not because they are charismatic and can bring in lots of people with lots of money, not because they preach good sermons, make great music, sing great worship songs, or because they have a sense of personal power, but because they are proven and trusted as servants. In Mark 10, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and basically said, We want you to do whatever we ask. <laughs> Jesus took a servant's position and asked them what they wanted him to do for them rather than be incensed that they would have the nerve to make such a demand. I consider it to be presumptuous of James and John to do such a thing, but then... Jesus taught them to be audacious in their prayers, and he did say in John 14, 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Anyway, then Jesus, being the servant leader that he was, responded saying, You guys have no idea what you're asking. In verses 43 and 44, he goes on to give them wisdom and some prophecies, saying, Whosoever will be great among you shall be your servant, 
And whosoever of you will be the leader of leaders shall be servant of all. Jesus was telling them that they should not be making their way to the top of the mountain to become the greatest among men, but they should be making their way to the bottom of the mountain to be servant leaders, supporting and encouraging others, leading from the bottom up, not the top down. Those who lead from the top down stand in sharp contrast to the servant leader who leads from the bottom up. Mark 10.45 For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Many today claim to further the gospel, and yet all they seem to do is make a reputation for themselves. It seems, at the core of all the controversy in the world around us, many people seem to only want attention, fame, fortune, and influence. Yes, influence. There are even jobs out there called being an influencer. Many people feel small, minimized, and unimportant. So, to have a moment of fame, attention, and recognition is very attractive. But to me, this is not the mind of a true servant. And this is just what I think. A servant is not all that interested in who knows their name. A servant does not strive or desire to have others bow down before him or her, a righteous servant, finds joy in service. Many years ago, much to my disappointment, the Lord very plainly told me to lose my name, to stop putting my name on works, writings, or music. Just stop telling everyone who you are and stop hoping for recognition and validation from other people. He said to tell them who he was, what he was doing, and where he was going, and if I would do that, I would see huge results from the work of my hands. In Matthew 8, a leper came to Jesus and said that if the Lord was willing, he, the leper, was confident Jesus could make him clean. Jesus basically said, Yep, I am willing. And immediately the leper was made whole. Then Jesus did something so contrary to what others may advise. In verse 4, he told the man, See that you tell no one, but go your way, 
show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In John 7, the brothers of Jesus figured if they were Jesus, they'd be out declaring themselves, making a name for themselves, getting money and glory for all they were worth. So they encouraged Jesus to do the same thing, saying, No one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Hmm, sort of like saying, You should get some publicity for yourself. Don't you want people to know who you are and be famous? Be famous. For this I gather, by the example of the Lord, the servant leader doesn't desire fame or fortune. Now it doesn't mean that we, the servant leaders, don't occasionally sit at home alone and bemoan our sad selves because we feel as though no one is listening and no one cares. The fact is, if God has asked you to give of yourself, as he assuredly has, then our approval and endorsement comes from the Lord, not men, and it is sufficient. Not an easy lesson to learn, friends. Let's get our precedence in the right order as servant leaders. If people come to our meeting, it's not because you got something amazing that has been generated of yourself, but because the Lord drew them there. Mm-hmm. Like Tommy Tenney said, If the kingdom of God came because we have great buildings, excellent teaching, first-class preaching, rocking good music, or amazing song choruses, we would have long ago entered into heaven's gates. If the Lord has given you something to do, do it because he asked you to, not because anyone will recognize or validate you. Do the numbers. I recently got these statistics from an advertising media expert, so let's look at the statistics from Facebook, for example. Less than 1% of the people we quote-unquote friend will actually look at what has been published there, and less than 1% of that 1% will even respond. So if we're waiting on someone to give us kudos unless God brings those kudos around, it's highly unlikely anyone will endorse us. We must learn that our personal relationship with Christ is truly sufficient to supply all our needs according to His riches and glory. And that includes emotional and mental needs too. If we are waiting for the endorsement of men for us to be okay, if we are waiting for the approval and affirmation of some higher authority to be okay and do what God has already asked us to do, odds are good we'll never be okay. What more do we need than God's endorsement? Now there's a good question. If he asked us to do something, we have his endorsement. Why do we need another man to endorse us in order to be validated anyway? Think about it. Church, let us be brutally honest with ourselves and to get to the root of that. Stop telling everyone your title or gifting. Go and do it. Stop telling us all God has called you and you are a prophet or a pastor or a teacher 
and go out into the world and do it. safe place, the church, and go out to be and do what the Lord has asked of you. Yes, it's a rhyme. Let go of your name and title and be the servant leader the Lord has called you to be. You can do this. Personally, I'll testify that I have indeed cried to the Lord, and I do mean with tears crying that no one was hearing what he gave me. Many times it seemed no one cared if they ever heard my name again. That for all the talents he had given me, the whole lot seemed to go nowhere and do nothing. I have cried a river of tears over my sad, victimized self. Poor me, sitting with my feet in the window, weeping, wishing God would do something other than what he was doing. And why was I weeping? Because somewhere within me was a need to be known and recognized, a need for people I admired to admire me too. Shortly, I came to a crossroads, though, one where I realized that my name never set anyone free. My name never healed anyone, had never parted an ocean, or caused the weather to obey, nor has my name ever liberated anyone from sin. There at the crossroads of reality, I made a choice to be a servant, to lose my name and promote the welfare, health, and safety of others, and above all, to live out God's values above my own, promoting exclusively Jesus as the name above all names. Yes, it is a serious struggle. And even to this day, from time to time, sometimes I still experience those feelings a little, though only occasionally and with greatly reduced intensity. But let's ask ourselves the question, what is real here? My feelings or the Word of God? If we are to be servant leaders, we should not need people to make us feel like a king or queen, but to make ourselves of no reputation, giving our lives as a ransom for those we serve. Now, right there is an interesting word, ransom. I have read that the word ransom precisely translates from its origin as to loose from bonds which transliterates into English as to liberate many from misery and giving a gift to secure favor. 
And isn't that what the servant leader does? Servant leaders are meant to pick up the work given to them and accomplish their task without complaint, without fear, and without anger. Jesus is our example. Matthew 12:18-21. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. In the Old Testament, the prophets spoke of Jesus as a servant. Zechariah 3.8 Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. Now please bear in mind, I am not talking about a servant as in someone who is some servile, spineless, groveling, and doing all that bowing and scraping stuff. Being a servant doesn't mean you cannot also have a position of authority, name, or even fame. The true kings and judges of God in the Old Testament were also called servants. However, servants do not follow after selfish gain. Servants instead follow after peace, compassion, love, long-suffering, self-control, and courage, to name a few. These are not only attributes every servant leader follows after, but also the character properties we give to those who follow. God bestowed the title of servant on those who were godly people, ambassadors of the Lord, called and sent to accomplish some service. It was a title that was meant as honorable, endearment, and as an intimate friend. Our faith in Christ as servant leaders is not a system or a structure, but a relationship of rising fountains of the Lord's continuous good intent. Every one of God's chosen were called His servants. If we look at each one's character, they were all servant leaders. Genesis 26:24 I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. 
Jeremiah 46, 27. But do not fear, O my servant Jacob. In Joshua 1, verse 2, God called his man, Moses, my servant. In 1 Kings 11, 38, it says, As David, my servant, did. Isaiah 49, 3, and he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel. Even Jesus is referred to as servant in Isaiah 42, 1, and Matthew 12, 18, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. They were all servants in the sense of those as meant to serve. Job, God's servant, never cursed God. Joseph, the servant, always kept his eye on the prize and never let his circumstances dictate his mood. The disciples sang praises in jail. There is not time to write about every servant of God who faced hardship before accomplishing the task at hand, but all were servant leaders, as servants who served those within their sphere of influence. Philippians 2, 4-8 Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 1 John 3.16 By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And think about it. of a servant leader is that they automatically respond by listening first. They know that true listening builds strength in others and is essential in resolving conflicts. Another true mark is if a conflict arises and needs to be resolved, the servant leader understands that the process of change starts inside themselves not out there in everyone else. Our problem with other people is not other people, but with ourselves. 
It is not a problem of trouble, but how I react to trouble. Do you have a heart to serve? Read your Bible. If we want to know Jesus, the servant leader of all servant leaders, we can start by studying Him in Scripture. And you, my friends, where are you? I'm Social Porter, and this has been Outposts, an exercise in speaking to listeners about three inches below the surface of where our presentation face lives. It is a beautiful evening overlooking the long meadow down to the Ocklawaha River, which meanders past the big trees going south to another intersection of rivers. This evening has been brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries, the Mebane Freedom League, Mountain Guitars, Jeff and Karen of Trinity Bakers, that's right, Jeff and Karen of Trinity Bakers, where there's always something good in the oven. Music for our program has been by Paul, Rick, Stewart, Mitchell, and Miles. Friends, let us become not just leaders serving from the top down, but servant leaders serving from the bottom up, encouraging others to become healthier, wiser, freer, independent, and self-sufficient, and more likely to become servants. Stand up, church. It's time to get to your feet. Be strong and courageous. Keep your head up. The Lord knows your name. His love and favor are ever towards you. Thanks for joining me, and be at peace, my friends. Be at peace. Amen, amen. Thank you.